At Urban Farm Podcast, we are all about education, and April is Foliar Feeding Month. Have you heard of it? It is a super simple application of spraying liquid organic fertilizer on your trees and garden plants. The leaves, branches, and trunks are incredible at absorbing nutrients. And if your soil isn't great or your pH is off, foliar feeding is a quick and long-lasting fix to get your plants the nutrients they need. Want to learn more? Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. Decades ago, I started growing food in my front and backyard, and I realized that my mission in life is to inspire and empower others to grow their own nutrient-dense, healthy, organic food. Because of this, a lot of people have come to me with their gardening questions over the years, and that got me thinking, what if we put together a community that would help budding gardeners blossom? So I finally made the idea a reality with my Urban Farm U member program. Each month, your membership includes three live online events, a monthly class, a chit-chat with an expert, and a monthly coaching session, plus access to the experts on our member page and a significant discount on our signature courses. I'm deeply committed to transforming our global food system, and I do this by empowering you to grow your own food. The Urban Farm Membership Program is a simple way to get going. Please join me in transforming your food system today. To learn more, go to urbanfarmmembership.org or text MEMBERSHIP to 33444. That's urbanfarmmembership.org or text MEMBERSHIP to 33444. You're listening to the Urban Farm Podcast, your partner in the Grow Your Own Food revolution. Whether you've just been introduced to urban farming or you're a lifelong advocate, we're sure you'll leave feeling more informed, equipped, and empowered to dig deeper into the soil of your local food economy. With you every step of the way, here's your host, Greg Peterson. Today on the Urban Farm Podcast, we have Tim Amlaw of Pure Harvests Food to talk about his experience with urban farming hydroponic vegetables. Tim is an urban agrarian from a farm and an agriculture education training and background. He has dedicated his life to building farmer-based systems and programs to improve agriculture, humane care of animals, and now local urban agriculture. His current endeavor is Pure Harvests Food and the Project Arizona Urban Organic Veggie, rejuvenating vacant land in the city with scaled vegetable production and training a local workforce to meet all of the community's fresh vegetable needs. How cool is that? Welcome to the show today, Tim. Thanks very much. I'm glad to be here. Absolutely. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at now? Yeah, I think it's a long path. Uh, I come from an agricultural family. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually we actually settled in North America in 1608, so we've been doing something wow. around uh, sust- sustainable farming for a very, very long time. My personal background is ag education, so I've been an educator at the high school, college, and, uh, and the state level doing things around farming, and particularly looking at uh, farm integration relative to new technologies such as computers. I had the first computers in an ag classroom 
in any ag classroom in the country. They were first 24K machines from Apple Computer. And actually was oh, on the nice. Phone Steve. Yeah, I was on the phone with Steve Jobs Weekly talking about how computers were going to be the future. And I'm not sure I believed it at that time. That was probably a stupid decision on my part. But uh, <laughs> I certainly utilized them. So, mm-hmm. you know, I've always looked at technology as being the uh, the way agriculture will always see continuous improvement. Oh, and yes. uh, and yeah. that's that's really what this project is all about. Pure Harvest Foods was founded a couple of years ago, and it really came out of um, a concept that uh, I felt uh, was a little challenging in our current systems of production where we were uh, really putting a lot of chemicals into our production systems, a lot of pesticides, a lot of herbicides in order oh, to yeah. have the the abundance of food that we certainly enjoy, uh, but those were uh, potentially creating some uh, certainly consumer resistance as well as some potential health issues, mm-hmm. uh, which are now all we all, all being examined, you know, in more oh, uh, thoroughness today. Exactly. So, so, and and our current project is the project in Arizona. Uh, called Arizona Urban Organic Veggie. Mm-hmm. And uh, what that project is all about is really about growing at scale local vegetable production so that the complete community can have access to uh, fresher and more nutritious vegetables. And we're focused on leafy greens, so we're really focused on four types of lettuces, a romaine, uh, butter lettuce and a red and green leafy uh-huh. uh, lettuce. Mm-hmm. So those are our four production systems. But our current system that we're ready to deploy in the Phoenix area is uh, we'll roughly produce about seven million heads of lettuce per annum. Oh wow! Uh, so it's it's pretty scaled production, uh, but it really is geared to that underserved and food desert populations uh-huh. of Phoenix, so that they can have access to, uh, I think, a better product. And right. that's kind of one of our our underlying, uh, you know, terms that we use, better farms for better food. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we just think that that's part of the new uh, growth in local urban farming that's going to take place all over the country. And, and this is uh, our initiative into that, um, into that uh, sector. So seven million heads of lettuce—that's a lot of lettuce. That's a lot of lettuce. That's a <laughs> lot of lettuce. But it's, you know, in reality, probably, for, you know, local. So, so we've done a big consolidating move, right? For for a lot of reasons, and uh-huh. good reasons, right? We've consolidated production around the country, but currently, about ninety percent of all of our lettuce comes from is the, produced fifty uh, percent of the year in Yuma, Yuma Arizona, yeah, and fifty and 50% of the year in the Central Valley. Uh, oh, those production systems yeah. are Yeah, those production si- systems are coming under challenge right now because of water and mm-hmm. heat, you know, the outside environments. We, in our urban farming method, uh, we've created a proprietary turnkey system uh, that actually we control the complete environment of the growing systems, and so we have no seasonality effect. So mm-hmm. we grow it year-round. We do weekly harvest. So it's the freshest product that you could possibly get on a year-round basis. Wow. 
How cool is that? And so 7 million heads, though, I still want to go back to that, in the Phoenix metropolitan yeah. area, right? That's correct, yeah. Right. So Well, and we have 4.4 million people here, so I guess that was 7 million heads a year would be just a small drop in the bucket of how much lettuce we would need here in Phoenix, Arizona, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we see a lot of growth and scaling, but it was really, you know, I – I got the number really from the 12% of the population that basically is underserved, uh-huh. which was a, tar- a target of about 300,000, so about 10% right. maybe of the population. Um, and that's where we, we thought should be our first objective is to really go after that that uh, 10% need. And then we can grow from there. You know, we, we think once people experience it, they're going to want more, so demand will definitely go up. And there's right. a lot of other farmers in the valley looking for local projects. So we're very supportive of all of the community's yeah. effort to bring local food to the marketplace. So your project, though, it sounds like it wants to be more holistic than just lettuce. Are, do you have plans moving into the future to, you know, to grow yeah, food that, it, other than just lettuce? Yeah. Yeah, I do, but you have to realize, too, that in hydroponics, Mm -hmm. uh, the use of LED lights is still relatively new. Even though hydroponics has been around, you know, 40-plus years, um, LED utilization in being able to control the wavelengths of plant growth, you Mm -hmm. know, from the seed to germination to final harvest, it still uh, has a nuance to it, right? It still is a new science, and Mm -hmm. so... A lot of the information in production on the production side is reasonably what we would call anecdotal. Right. It doesn't have a lot of uh, statistical information that you can, uh, you know, just follow step one, step two, step three, and have success. Right. So there's a little bit of experimentation that has to take place, and you want to step into that. So we've done a lot of plant testing. Uh, Mm -hmm. We have a a complete uh, pathology uh, testing facility that we do all of our plant testing so that we can get our regulation of the nutrient uptakes that the plants need to get to their different growth cycles, as well as, uh, you know, get to the point where we know exactly in the growth cycle of every varietal Mm -hmm. what the light spectrum is is, you know, from a red or a green or a blue that they need for each part of that growth cycle. And uh, and our growth cycle is pretty unique. Uh Um, We are producing a plant plug with a group out of uh, Tucson, Arizona, that will, they're currently very uh, uh, prolific in doing grafted tomato plants for transplanting. Oh, I've heard that. Yeah, and they're going to do our transplant for us and then we'll just go ahead and put those into our growing facility so we can actually our 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 site specification for growing the plant is to a six ounce plant Mm -hmm. um so so that's our goal and we can produce that six ounce plant by our through our uh control mechanisms basically in two weeks of growth oh Um, my gosh so hold on hold on hold on on. you said you're you're growing a plant from a teeny plant start to a six ounce plant in That's two correct. weeks? That's correct. So wow. if you think about it, Greg, it's 
you've got you've got the plant plug that's going to take seven days from seed to germination and growth ready to transplant right then you're going to take the transplanted plug and put it into the growing houses and and those houses again have 18 hours of light right so it's no longer just an Uh, eight hour outdoor kind of environment right Mm -hmm. and by the way in addition to that they're getting they're getting direct access to nutrients as opposed to the roots having to sometimes go find the nutrients right right? exactly and and the nutrients is coming to the root system and then in addition to that you're controlling that that air movement and the complete environment so you're always at the right temperature to optimize that growth of the plant so we get to that six ounces because of all of those environments uh, of those controls of that environment that we can uh, superimpose through innovation and technology right wow how cool is that so you I think it's really cool oh yeah, yeah. I mean I really think it's cool I think when the community starts experiencing local produced vegetables at scale, where it's mm-hmm. totally accessible, and we can talk about that here in a minute, but we've chosen to look at where the the access points are currently, right? Now, we also want to work on new innovations and trying to create more access points, right, where people can actually source without going way out of their way to find a good a good head of lettuce, right? But uh, but right now the biggest access points are your retailers, right? So that's where people mostly buy their their vegetables and certainly yeah, like their your lettuce. Gro- your grocery stores. Yeah, we yeah. use Walmart as an example. Walmart service, you know, from a volume standpoint, they have a hundred outlets here in Arizona, and out through their outlets, for instance, they service a big bulk of the population that needs this kind of freshness. Oh yes. and quality, right? And, and and interestingly enough, the statistical numbers show that those people want to buy high-quality product, too, and fresher-quality product, regardless of their income, right? right. So their, their income stream is maybe 10000 to $30,000 a year. But they have, the, they have the same desires as anybody else in buying high-quality food. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we think that that's a great uh, starting point and access point for our project. Nice. So you've you've thrown out several terms that I want to go back and and uh, Great. kind of vi- revisit. You you said at scale twice. What does that mean? Well, you know, a lot of initiatives right now in local food are built around community gardens, which is really fantastic. They're right. built around farmers markets yep. as an outlet, and and so production is really not at the scale meaning the, the bulk need, right? The biggest population need. Like you explained, I was targeting 300,000 people, but you explained there's 4 million people. Well, if right. they all ate, if all 4 million ate, which the USDA, by the, by the way, recommends a couple heads of lettuce a week for every one of that 4 right. million. Oh, so my that's gosh. your Yeah, so that's your production potential. But in reality, the scale is right now with, with the current methods of producing food in mm-hmm. community gardens or other small-scale production in the local community, you know, we're still subject to the bigger bulk uh, uh, production systems that, like Yuma, does for half of the year. Right. And it's and you know, while Yuma is Arizona, it's not quite local. So right. a good statistic for people to understand, and and I use uh, I use uh, Walmart's numbers. 
but it, it, they average seven days from the time that that lettuce is uh, mm. is picked, let's say, yeah. uh-huh. to get it on their shelf. And a head of lettuce has about a 14-day life. You know, you can maybe extend it a little bit here or there. But right. uh, so you've, you've chewed up half of the head of lettuce life in freshness uh, by distribution. Mm-hmm. We, produce a, we produce and harvest the same day. We pack the trucks and get it to their distribution uh, center probably the same day. So they can have it on their shelves in Arizona in 48 hours. And that's unheard of right now. And yeah. uh, we think that freshness is going to add to that consumer enjoyment of the product. You know, let's face it, people eat food to enjoy it. They, You know, they eat it also because they need it nutritionally. But right. they also, if they don't enjoy it, they don't eat it and they waste it, right? Right, exactly. We know this. We, we know the statistics of waste. Uh, we waste about 40-some-odd percent of our food currently. Now, that's through all the systems of assembly and distribution and consumption. Right. But uh, but literally, we think this really cuts down on waste. It's the most sustainable production system. We use 10% of the water that a typical head of lettuce in a field crop production uh, like Yuma would produce. So we think it's going to be better for the sustainability and water utilization in the future. Uh, because we have such a short cycle uh, of, of basically two weeks to harvest, uh, we don't use any pesticides, and we because we have no organic matter, we don't use any herbicides. All right. So it's completely right. herbicide and pesticide-free product, mm-hmm. and we think that's going to be an added benefit uh, oh. that the consumers are going to enjoy. Yeah, think. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and you know, and the other thing is consumers have demonstrated over the last few years that organic is their is their preference. Yeah. I mean, the, the demand yep. for organic is the fastest mm-hmm. growth in consumables and uh, you know, the organic process is uh, somewhat complex. It's opening up now. Uh, you know, to hydroponics, there's some uh, there's some discussion about it uh, uh, of whether or not we want to continue to leave hydroponics with an organic certification. Mm-hmm. Uh, but w- we think that that uh, argument through good science will uh, will sustain itself that it should be considered yeah. organic as long as your as long as your nutrient ingredients for the plant are from an organic source, source yeah and that's a- important and as long as you yeah as long as you do that uh we you know there are um you do get all of the microbacterial activity mm-hmm. in, within the root system in oh, a hydroponic yeah, yeah. nft system so you actually are not foregoing any of that which is then the argument that you don't get the same as you do if you put it in the ground because right. of all that different natural uh bacterial uh components that are in the in the soil, but you actually get that, um, you get that in hydroponics. There's some real interesting new publications out that talk about that at length. Yeah. So we, we think that, that having that fresh access is really what consumers want. I mean, they want to experience a really tasty head of lettuce, a tender head of lettuce, mm-hmm. and something that gives them an eating experience when they sit down and make their salads for their families or their friends. So we just think this is going to improve that. 
So it also brings a better, better nutritional profile to yeah. all those people that will have the access to it. Yeah. So that's that's kind of the road I wanted to go now down next. And that's you said you're getting the the lettuce or your, what you're growing from basically from the farm to the store in 48 hours. Why is that important? Well, it's significant, right, from the freshness standpoint. Mm-hmm. So nutrients, for instance, so all, all products that you harvest start when you, when you basically take the plant. So let's assume that most lettuce, you trim the roots off, right? So right. the minute you trim that roots off, you start what's considered a natural oxidation and enzyme activity in oh, that plant. Oh, yes, and of to course. De- to, to decompose that plant, right? So in yes. nature, when something dies, it decomposes. And that's that's what composting basically is, right? So Mm -hmm. it's a natural process that's already built in to the genetics of the plant. So that's why you get your life life expectancy of the plant at around 14 days. Mm -hmm. Again, like I said, you could extend it here or there. But so what happens in this process is if you burn seven days of that normal plant life, one you already got maybe some decomposition taking place so you'll get right. you'll get some damage on the outside leaves and so you have waste so that's one uh, negative attribute the second thing that you'll get is you probably get a, a little change in the actual quality the eating quality of the leaf as it as it starts to decompose right. you know it'll it'll get a you know, in my opinion, it gets a little more what I consider rigor, right? Oh, so yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. You know, I bought a lot of heads of lettuce that are not lettuce anymore. They're really <laughs> more like celery. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's a, that's not a very scientific approach, but that's my opinion. But yeah. but the other aspect is that's really significant is, is that you, in this whole kind of composting, natural composting of the plant life, you lose the nutrient value through oxidation. So the plant nutrients start to really uh, go away. So, and you know, and listen, lettuce can be a really good source of some antioxidants Mm -hmm. and certain types of plants are a little bit better. So, so the, the, the fresher you can eat that head of lettuce, uh, we used to say it in the, I've been in the cattle business most of my life. And we used to say in the cattle, nothing, no piece of meat was better frozen. And it's the same thing with, with lettuce. No mm-hmm. head of lettuce is better, better if it's five to seven days old or 14 days old before right. you start to consume it. Yeah. So the, the closer to the harvest time that you can have that head of lettuce on your dinner plate, uh, the better you're going to be relative to the uh, to the nutrient overall value. experience yeah. and the healthy nutrient value of the plant. Yeah. Exactly. By the way, while we were while we were chatting, I did the math on 4.4 million people in the Phoenix metropolitan area. One head of lettuce per week, not two. You said the USDA said two. I figured one, right? Yeah. That's 228 million 800,000 heads of lettuce. You got some work to do yeah, there, so buddy. Yeah, that's a great that, that's a great business growth, right? Yeah, so exactly. Have, we, <laughs> exactly. So you know, it'll be not just my generation; it'll be a couple of them coming. Right. You know, and exactly. I think eventually you'll see the Yuma farmers and and those guys getting into, and that's part of our project design, right? We want to be inclusive, not only in delivering to the local community, but because this innovation is recent. 
we want to invite everybody to participate in it, you know, and grow it. Because look mm-hmm. at the opportunity you just example. Oh, yeah. That's a yeah. That's a perfect opportunity. Everybody can have part of that growth in how we change our production of these particular items, right? Yeah. Now each vegetable item that we could grow, besides just the lettuce, for instance, uh-huh. could you know there's huge other demands. I mean, you have you have all kinds of other lettuce other uh leafies even non-flowering plants oh yeah that uh could be could be grown and have demand within the system so there's a lot of flexibility there's a lot of growth there's a lot of opportunity and there's a lot of local workforce employment now oh, yeah. it's not that the forty-five thousand workers that are in yuma in the season when they're producing they're certainly an important workforce but we also think that we're able to, because we have less perishability and a few other things relative to cost, we actually can pay the employees in our environments mm. a little bit more mm-hmm. than an outside field worker. And in addition to that, guess what they're doing? They're working in a 78 degree to, <laughs> or 70 degree temperature yeah. uh, all year round versus, uh, you know, uh, 80 or 90 degrees out in the field for the day. So, so we wow. think the environment relative to the workforce is mm-hmm. going to be uh, significant, and yeah. that's going to create longevity. Uh, because if your workers are happy, the business runs pretty well. Then. Oh yeah, no kidding. So this is a vertical urban farming concept. Why did you decide to go there? Yeah. So so you know obviously land is is. Uh, you know, we, we, the United States has a, an abundance of land. I mean, we we probably maybe maybe Australia has more surface area as a continent than than we have as a country. But whether or not it's all usable is a different thing. But right. we have probably one of the largest arable land resources. So land has always been the target for most of agriculture. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's happened now is you have a lot of different things going on. You have uh, land that has now uh, for instance Arizona and along the rivers and stuff a lot of that land has has salt build up you know from irrigation and it's creating kind of a toxic uh, capability to actually get the kind of productivity that we previously had uh, had experienced in those kinds of you know um, growing systems and so I I think when I looked at it one you know I started with the driver of trying to shorten shorten the distribution cycle, right? right? Again, taking mm-hmm. it from that seven days to 48 hours or so. And that was the first driver that I looked at. The second driver I looked at is, is that I think people need to be connected to their food. I think we've kind of migrated away from uh, who we are relative to our food. We, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of people say, well, I can't worry about farmers because I get my food at the grocery store and <laughs> I uh, love that you know and and I heard that even when I was early on milk and dairy cows yeah. I mean, there was a big event there was a big event around dumping milk at the time because of price and they interviewed people in New York City and and they said well you know that's really horrible that those farmers have to dump milk but I get my milk at the grocery store and um so Such you know it's incredible. about yeah that's an yeah, incredible and, and, disconnect yeah, and I think the the millennials, I think the younger generation, certainly social media has helped. It's projected this sense of 
responsibility around the type of food we want to consume, the quality of food that we want to consume, the safety of food that we want to consume. And all those things are major drivers. Uh I experienced that in my previous uh, tenure as the head of American Humane Association's Humane Farm Animal Care Program. And, uh, you know, the we, we experienced the total transition of agriculture in looking at how we care for animals. Not, again, that we were trying to care for animals poorly, right. but we just needed a re-education on oh, how yeah. we were going to uh-huh. care from it, for animals going forward. Mm-hmm. And we were able to create a tremendous program in humane care that now does over 1.3 billion animals a year uh, under animal audit every year where those farmers are participating in a third party observation of their oh, wow. of their of their farming practices Beautiful. and and asking for somebody on the outside to tell them do I need a little correction here or do I need a little correction there and that's translated into you know consumer buying trends that really are saying now with eggs for instance we want cage free eggs retailers are asking for cage-free eggs. We see the same trends in urban farming. We we think that consumers right now are demanding fresher products. Consumers are demanding more nutritious products. They want less pesticides and less herbicides. Uh, I won't get into some of the particulars, but there's some really challenging things that are currently uh, affecting herbicide use, for instance. And so consumers are really saying, you know, when it comes to our food, we want pure food. We Mm -hmm. want just the food. You grow it, you harvest it, you put it on my plate, i.e. our name of our company being Pure Harvest. Every harvest we do is going to be pure. And so it's going to be raised with the best organic nutrients under the best lighting conditions for the plant's humane environment, basically, giving the plant the the best ability to ex- express its genetic uh, makeup as a as a plant, mm-hmm. and uh, and then harvest it without any any additions to it, and bring it to the consumer. And uh, we think that's going to be a trend that's going to continue oh, uh, right yeah. across the board, all yep. of agriculture. Oh yeah, yeah. Plus, we put it right in the middle of the city, and it's there to harvest and get to people right away. Yeah, yeah. and you know, and, and the nice thing with us is I deployed the largest amount of video monitoring in the oh, in the animal nice. production right. side of agriculture and we're, we're going to have video monitoring in our production system so you could go online and watch a head of lettuce grow <laughs> if, if that excites you so uh, you know it, you it, it, it's uh it would you know, ex- but you'll the huge transparency will come yeah. with the system you'll know everything yeah. we're doing it, that would excite me if i could watch it in super fast motion you know yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It might get a little boring exactly. to watch it over <laughs> over two weeks. <laughs> so I'm going to shift on you, and I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure, and what you might have learned from it. Yeah, so, you know, being 63 years of age, I think we all have our challenges in life, and mm-hmm. some have been, uh, some of our adventures have been successful, some have not. Oh, yeah. I think my biggest disappointment in life was, is I, I helped discover basically the control mechanism for muscle growth in in, uh, all mammals, and particularly in cattle. And we were launching a vertical program, much like the vegetable program, 
but it was right at the time when the SNL crisis hit. Oh, yeah. And uh, in all startups, the biggest single issue on a startup enterprise <laughs> is undercapitalization. Yep. And so we hit at a time where my business partner at the time had a big loss due to the SNL, and he couldn't fund the final constructions of our uh, processing facility. And uh, we ended up having to close that coal project down. We lost uh, many millions of dollars. And, and that probably was my biggest disappointment because mm. it was really well thought out. It was ready to go to market, mm -hmm. but we just, outside circumstances around capital, just, uh, uh, just uh, stopped us from getting there. What Fortunately, with this project, mm -hmm. we have just uh, we've been working hard, really, on capital formation, and we we've created a really good capital pool, and uh, so we're ready to go to market here soon. We'll we'll probably be in market starting the first of uh, starting the first of uh, August. Uh, it'll take us about twelve weeks and twelve to fifteen weeks, and we'll be in the marketplace. Wow! So that's like right now. Right around the corner. Right around yeah, the corner. We're excited. Yeah, right. this is a very exciting time. We're wow, very excited. Fantastic. So your takeaway then, I, I hear your takeaway from that, and I'll put it in quotes, failure, um, was to be more uh, financially sound up front because it sounds like this project is funded and you're ready to go. Yeah, I think that's, you know, if I can tell you anything I've done, this, this project's evolution has been about two years now here in Arizona. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and the biggest part of that time that I spend is capital formation. It. And it's been a hard thing to sell, mm -hmm. to be perfectly honest, even though it may be logical to you and it may be logical <laughs> to me and maybe 90% of your, your listeners. When it comes to capital, capital anymore is really just interested in what's my return, what's my risk, and how yeah. soon can I get all my money back. So, you know, you just have to redesign your thinking to, to deal and, and respect the capital you're bringing into a project. And, and there's been some failures in hydroponics. Just oh, yeah. recently, for instance, as the market starts to mature, there was just a $22 million failure in, in San Francisco. There was a $15 million failure in a project in Atlanta just, uh, wow. just the other day. And there's many more failures. Uh, and so, you know, you always have to be, in agriculture, it's always, I mean, we, we, we get used to, I've been in ag all my life, so you get used to boom and bust relative oh, yeah. to revenues. Right. But uh, one of the big things with agriculture is don't be underfunded if you're in agriculture. <laughs> you know, get well-funded. So you're yeah. right. That's my takeaway. Yeah. So what do you consider your biggest success? You know, I think my biggest success probably is American Humane's. Uh, I brought all yeah. of my uh, my knowledge into that nonprofit and worked with a phenomenal team. I was able to put together there, and again, the the organization provided all the seed capital to develop the audit program. That audit program started when I took over with about a million animals under a, uh, about a forty page paperwork audit on each farm mm -hmm. and about. Uh, 120 days for corrective action reports to go back to the farmers, which I said to everybody, my God, the, the birds will be dead by the time we get them, right. tell them what they need to change. Mm -hmm. And uh, we changed all that so that now they do corrective actions almost immediate on the exit interview. And today, eight years later or so, that program does 1.3 billion animals under 
animal audit and uh, from a million animals only eight years ago. Nice. So, uh, you know, I take uh, I take a lot of credit in the vision and the mm-hmm. design and the in the early management of that company or that that project, that division of American Humane. It's a great right. organization. And uh, so we kept to mission. But but I really, uh, you know, I would it. say in my yeah. my career, plus my teaching career, I think I made great strides early on in teaching and my probably the software development that I did yeah. and the training curriculums that I did around computer use. But there's been a lot of great, great times in my life. I can't complain about any part <laughs> of it, nice. even the failures for that matter. Yeah. Yeah. So what drives you? Yeah, I, I think my drive is, uh, you know, I've been in agriculture all my life. I'm 63 years old. I want to bring more farmers to agriculture. Uh-huh. And I think the best way to excite new farmers in agriculture is urban living and urban farming. Yeah. So if you can, you know, if you can allow farmers to be involved in agriculture, and I think it's right across the board, uh, where you have more farmers involved and engaged in producing the food they eat and their neighbors eat, that's what drives me every day, bringing yeah. more good food to mm. uh, the community that right. is consuming it. And, you know, we're growing to 9 billion people by uh, 2050 is what yeah. they're telling us. And, and over and, half uh, of them live in the city. That's a lot of mouths to feed. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You're exactly correct. That's where all the action is. Yeah. And for good reason, right? Everybody wants a cell phone. They want to go out to a bar <laughs> on a Friday night or whenever. Right. And, you know, they want a life that's a little uh, less committed as the old, you know, we. I grew up in on a farm, right? Out right. in the countryside. Yeah. So, so I'm not uh, saying I didn't like that lifestyle, but, but it's a different lifestyle now. And we need to engage people in the food they consume, and this yeah. is the best way to keep them engaged. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. So what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? Well, I would say, I certainly would say to everybody, you know, get involved in urban agriculture mm-hmm. uh, any way you can. You know, join your local community support systems. You know, we're part, a member of the Maricopa County Food Coalition, uh, which is a great, a great, yeah. yeah, a great place to go and listen to everybody's views on 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 the problems of food in mm-hmm. Maricopa County, mm-hmm. and and I think you know get engaged in that if you want to be a local farmer, and certainly you know you can always contact us. We have single single growing systems with one uh, complete turnkey unit up to up to the seven million head a year facility. So wow. we've got any scale you want, and we would invite anybody from any community, uh, from your listeners that's interested in local food, we can give them the most efficient system going and help them to get started. But but get involved in urban agriculture. That's yeah. the, the the future of, uh, of our agricultural production. And uh, it's again, not that we're gonna still not have to have field crop production and grains and all the rest uh but there's in this category there's just a lot of need for it as you explained uh, yeah. we've got a lot of growth ahead of us yeah that is for sure well thank you so much for joining us on the show and sharing your experience with us today tim it's been a treat getting to chat with you that's great and you can always get a hold of us perfect at at, at Veggie dot com urbanorganicveggies.com perfect and an email address or just go there 
info at urbanorganicveggie.com. Perfect. Excellent, excellent. Well, thank you for all your great information. And that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. Decades ago, I started growing food in my front and backyard, and I realized that my mission in life is to inspire and empower others to grow their own nutrient-dense, healthy, organic food. Because of this, a lot of people have come to me with their gardening questions over the years, and that got me thinking, what if we put together a community that would help budding gardeners blossom? So I finally made the idea a reality with my Urban Farm U member program. Each month, your membership includes three live online events, a monthly class, a chit-chat with an expert, and a monthly coaching session, plus access to the experts on our member page and a significant discount on our signature courses. I'm deeply committed to transforming our global food system, and I do this by empowering you to grow your own food. The Urban Farm Membership Program is a simple way to get going. Please join me in transforming your food system today. To learn more, go to urbanfarmmembership.org or text membership to 33444. That's urbanfarmmembership.org or text membership to 33444. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen three days a week for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. One of the first things that many of us learn when we start to garden is how to water and fertilize the soil. But there is an exception to this rule and it's called foliar feeding. You should foliar feed or water the leaves of your plant with liquid fertilizer when you want certain nutrients to be absorbed better. Not only are the leaves great at uptaking liquid fertilizer, if your soil isn't very good or your pH is off, foliar feeding can help your veggies and fruit trees quickly get the nutrients they need to thrive. If you're ready to start foliar feeding for maximum growth yields and quality, Head on over to urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves to see our selection of foliar feeding products. That's urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves.